ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. TPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk Sandy. How you doing, Corey? Sorry about that. I don't know exactly what happened, but we went uh, we went dead all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what happened. There's Jeff. There we go. So you were telling me that you're having a lot of shows right now? Yeah, there's a lot of shows. I mean, you know, we do ATV stuff, side by side stuff, but also we do truck um, as well. So between the you know. We just had a um, side-by-side adventure rally out here in San Paulo down the street um, last weekend. Uh, got, you know, a works race coming up in Cedar City this weekend. And um, also, so we have staffs over at Expo, too. So, you know, there's lots of events going on every weekend, it seems like. I know GNCC's running this weekend, too. So, I mean, there, there's a ton of events going on and happening, just trying to get the whole thing. So, we're, we're busy. How many other people in GBC are working events? Such as yourself. Um, we got one other guy, BC. It's up on the West Coast. Uh, myself and then uh, Josh Merritt and Johnny Gallagher are kind of doing West Coast stuff for GCC and then also the cheap events as well. And then I'm a BC and I are kind of tag team and East Coast stuff as well. So we, there's mainly four of us um, right now. We're going, and you guys just overlap, take care of all of it. This is fun. As much as we can, you know, as much as we can. Um, like, like there was a four-wheel park show last week in uh, Texas. This a sales guy went and handled that, you know. So, so we we got a couple people that can step in and go to events and need help. But it's just there's more events than manpower for sure. Do you think that the overall health of the industry itself is that we're all moving forward and that the economy's not uh, not damaging us as much as they think it is? Um, from what I've been seeing lately and talking to a few dealers, it's, it's you know, it's definitely not COVID numbers, which COVID numbers are good, um, or they were good this last time, uh, but it's it's more like 2018, 19 numbers, kind of what dealers and distributors that I talk to are, are seeing. I was pretty busy in 18 and 19. Yeah. And I can't shake a stick at that. No, no, that's it right now. I mean, it's 18, 19 was good for us, too. I mean, it was good numbers. Uh, just it wasn't as good as the last couple of years, but it's a downturn. So, you know, we're seeing that right now, but I don't know what we're going to see in six, eight months, especially with gas prices. I did a, I did about 2,000 mile road trip a week and a half ago, and it, I mean, it was more expensive for fuel. No, I mean, no. That make you guys generally not want to go to as many shows or uh, do you just get more picky and choosy of where you do go? Um, we have stuff that we're signed up for that we have to go, not necessarily we have to go to, but that we're committed to go to. Um, past that, there are some things that always pop up that we try to go to or fill in some stuff and we're on off weekend and we have time and 
are motivated to go, but, you know, when the fuel prices go up, we're, you know, if it's something that's a far drive, and we may look at certain start fuel expenses, wages, um, cost of, you know, eating out, hotel prices, flight prices, flights. You know, I've booked a couple of flights the last couple of weeks, and they're about three to $400 more than they were two years ago. So, I mean, we have to back all that in. So, I mean, we have a budget for the year that we have to keep, too. So, you know, we watch that. But um, if we go over, then it kind of, you know, then we have to really, or not really, but we have to cut back next year, figure out a way to sacrifice you know, something to make up for what we spent or, or even out. It also depends on sales, too. So, if we spent more over budget and sales are up this year, not a big deal. But, you know, everything changes and... You know, our our cost of manufacturing has gone up a little bit um, over the last couple of years. Nothing too crazy, but the cost of shipping has gone up so much. That's what's changed the, the price for us on, on tires. I mean, I think there's been about a 30 to 40% increase in the last two years, but probably 20% of that is in shipping costs. Yeah, that that's what's crazy in, in our world is the ship. Noticed on your end, I know you're doing a lot of stories, a lot of coverage industry in that market. Have you noticed a slowdown in some of the things that you guys are covering? Yeah, we're seeing a little bit of a slowdown, and I've talked to some of the OEMs about that. And uh, their sales are down right now as of last quarter. And it's really hard to tell what's going on, I think, mainly due to supply chain issues. That has, still has a lot to do with it. Uh, and yeah, definitely inflation. And despite, you know, on, on top of that, I know five, uh, four manufacturers actually raised their prices on ATVs in the last couple of months too. And that has a lot to do with those supply chain issues and getting the parts that they need. Costs have just, just gone way up. So it, like Corey said, I don't know where we're going to be in here in six months. You know, is there a recession on the way or what's going on? Uh, it, it's just really hard to, to pinpoint, you know, what the future is going to be like for ATV sales. Jeff, you're fuzzy, man. Can you uh, get yourself clear? Yeah, I can, I can try. Let me, uh, I'm actually on. You must got your, your Wi-Fi connection now. Yeah, that, that, the supply chain issue, are you guys running into any delay on rubber or anything like that? It's our biggest issue right now isn't manufacturing, it's shipping. So, like at, at the factories, the, the factory, you know, builds everything, it's sitting there, it's ready to go, it's in container, but we can't find space on a on a on a vessel to get it shipped here. That's that's our biggest issue. You know, ninety percent of our stuff is not coming out of China. You know, and everybody's talked about China, 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 but. We I mean, we have a few trailer tires and I think one light truck tire that comes out of China, but all the ATV stuff's not coming out of there. Some of that stuff's not. You know, it's just the boats are full right now, and um, I have distributors that can't find space that have bought our product and it's sitting there, and they can't find space to get it on a boat, and it's been there for six months. I sit at the factory loaded, ready to go. So that's that's been the issue that we've had the most recently is is just finding the space to get the stuff shipped here to us. Yeah, I mean, lo local shipping is outrageous as well. You set a, ship a set of pipes to, you know, from the West Coast to the East Coast, and you're almost $100. Yeah, you know, and then we got hit with, um, from uh, FedEx, you know, we do, like I said, like electric stuff, and now side-by-side -side stuff getting big. Any, any tire that's over 35 inches with FedEx, 35 inches or above now, is a hundred dollars per tire plus the cost of shipping. Oh. Oh. Made it unreasonable. Yeah. So I mean that's that's a killer right there on that stuff, you know. So we try to LTL as much stuff as we can, you know, less of less of a truckload um, on a semi truck, but the problem with that is in goes to someone's neighborhood, go to their house, you know, then it shows up and they go, well, you know, we need a we need a, a lift ramp to unload it, or you need to have a dock or a forklift. There's an extra charge, extra charge. So it's really not much cheaper to LTL something. 
know, depending on what you're getting, you know, unless you have someone actually ship it to a business address and cannot load it. Yeah, that's just crazy. That's just crazy. So, Jeff, do you get your uh, issues worked out there? I guess I did. Do I? Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. I just can't see you all that great. I, I well, I look, I look better when I'm fuzzy anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, coming down the pike, do you see anything interesting that, that, that we all be thinking about looking at? Yeah, I just heard the uh, new Honda TRX 250R with fuel injection is coming out soon. Is it April 1st? <laughs> yeah, I think. No, <laughs> that's an overused joke. I, I honestly, I don't know. And, I, you know, I used to be kind of optimistic about it. I, I have no idea. I know Yamaha is going to remain in the game, you know, but other than that, I can't tell you anything on the sport quad side anyway. Yeah, there's nobody else. Nobody else looks like they're going to do anything at all with the sport quad market. Is there yeah. any drive units coming out or anything like that that, that that looks fun? Uh, You know, nothing, you know, brand new. I just got through testing the uh, Scrambler, the Player Scrambler, uh, the XP1000S. It's a Sport 4x4, and we tested that down in Moab, Utah. That's an, a very fun machine. The MSRP on that unit is $17,799. You know, it's, it's a lot of money right now for people that are dealing with inflations. But it's a, it's a great machine. Really? Seventeen grand. Yeah. Well, almost eighteen. Yeah, they just went up uh, about $2,000 in the last couple of months. In the time from I did the first look at the, that machine... To the ride test, yeah, the, the pricing went up two grand, and it has a lot to do with supply chain issues and you know manufacturing costs, and I'm sure a lot of it shipping costs too. Yeah, I know that. I know that getting parts from all the manufacturers is difficult. Yeah. You know, Corey, you looks to me like you're building a new machine behind you there. I'm rebuilding. <laughs> Wait, are you struggling to get some of the pieces for it? Uh, yeah, I put in a order of Yamaha about three or four weeks ago, and I kind of stuff keeps trickling in. Still missing some stuff, but it's nothing too bad. I mean, they said everything was in stock, so it's just a matter. I know they they told me um, shipping from the warehouses, they're about a week or two behind on some of the warehouses and, and on the items. Just their back, backlog on, on getting orders out. Yeah, I mean, we get a, yeah, you got stock, no problem. It'll go out in three days. You know, four weeks later, it shows up. Yeah. Unreal. I mean, other than the and the labor, people can't get a consistent labor force to show up to work. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's even what we hear at the, at the factory for us. They're on the same machine as far as labor forces. So it's just not U.S. It's other places, too. Um, and we, we deal with that as well at, at um our warehouse, our warehouse workers, and things. It's, it's hard to get people to show up every day and all week and come back. Yeah. Do you do you feel that when you're out on the road that, that you're not the only having a nationwide thing? Oh yeah, I mean, around here, everywhere I go, I mean, it's the fast food joints by me. Some of them close. At eight o'clock, nine o'clock on a Friday night because they don't have, they can't have people to work at them. Now. You know, every store you go in almost has a help wanted sign. It seems like around me and then actually where I go too. With all those jobs open, how could we be going into a recession? It's almost like there's not enough people to work all the jobs. That's what it seems like. Where'd they all go? <laughs> I mean, before COVID, they were—we <laughs> didn't have this problem. Yeah, maybe we were on the brink of that and didn't realize it. You know, maybe I don't know. I don't know. But what are you seeing, Jeff? You do travel? Uh, uh traveling. I, you know, I don't know. It's the same deal. And we have—I've been looking for uh, contributing editors to help supply. Is you can you hear that helicopter going over me right now? No. Okay, then I'll keep talking. Uh, 
you know, a $50,000 a year job is you, you, you'd offer that to people, you know, for a permanent position with good benefits. And they look at you like you just went back to 1980s minimum wage or something. So I, I don't know what's going on. And I, I finally found some people, you know, to, to work for us as uh, contributing editors that are very knowledgeable in the field of ATVs. So uh, I'm happy just to get to that point. It's been difficult. I mean, a lot of days I feel like I have to do everything myself. Um, but we've been hiring too. And yeah, it's, it's a tough job, a tough time just trying to get people to work. And it's a fun job too, for the most part. Do you, do you feel the same story as, as struggling to find more and more people to work? Yeah, I mean, whether it's a warehouse guy, you know, to find them to come in and work and be consistently at work, or even, you know, um, trying to find someone with experience, um, you know, in the ATV industry is is a hard thing or as well, too. I mean, we're always looking for graphic designers or um, people who shoot photos and things like that that might want a full-time job to work for us. And you, you kind of always want someone with a little bit of experience and so know what they're doing in the industry. And it's hard to find those people. They're just few and far between. Jeff, what's your overall take of the YouTube industry right now? Is it strong and, and flourishing? Uh, they're having a lot of the same issues. I, I, I don't know. I don't really care for UTVs all that much. I like the ATVs, but... I know our guys over on the UTV driver's side, uh, you know, you're, you're, the new Pro R from Polaris, it's a $45,000 machine, and I believe they're sold out of the allotment they made for this year already. So, obviously, somebody is buying those machines. But, yeah, they're going through a lot of the same issues. Um, last I saw, percentage-wise, ATVs have actually come back up to, you know, UTV levels as far as sales go. It's this, well, as far as entry sales go, I should say. Yamaha has the only two sport quads, so you're talking Raptor 700s, Raptor 4, uh, 450Rs are selling like hotcakes, then, and, I mean, your four-wheel drive units. Uh, yeah, it, the Raptor 700 R and the YFC 450, I don't know, if, if you've gone into a dealership, have you seen any of those machines around lately? They're pretty much sold as soon as they come off the assembly line. I was just uh, with Yamaha a couple of weeks ago. Up in Winchester Bay, Oregon, we were doing our annual uh, Goons in the Dunes ride up there on those machines. And I was talking to some of the guys at Yamaha, and they said, yeah, these machines are pretty much spoken for before they even leave the assembly line there in Georgia. That's that's a good problem to have, isn't it? It's a great problem to have, you know, and you would think that somebody would step in. And I, I'll tell you what, if I had to bet money on somebody coming back with a sport quad... I guess I would put my money on Can-Am just because they built a 4x4 for every type of terrain. They have so many different machines. You think they could work one sport quad back into the lineup. Uh, you know, Honda's still got all the fixtures for their 06 to 14 model 450R. All they would have to do is just put it back into production. You know? Yeah. Look exactly the same as it did in 14, and people would buy it. I know that if they do that, I, I'm guessing that they're definitely going to want to build one with electronic fuel injection, and that takes quite a bit of money to change something, you know, a, a component like that. So I, I hope that they're looking at it anyway to seeing if it's worthwhile. And, you know, every day we have people uh, yelling on our sites, you know, wanting the Honda to bring back the 450R. And, of course, the 250R, too. I would love to see that. I would love to see somebody bring back a two-stroke fuel injected, you know, spark quad. I know I'm speaking to the choir on that too. Hey, the only person, the only company that could do that is probably Kate. Yeah. That 300 they have that's already fuel injected, you just drop that thing right into an ATV chassis. There you go. Yeah. And it's a powerful, fun machine. I mean, I still haven't got to ride one of the motorcycles, but they put one in a three-wheeler. Um, have you got to see that three-wheeler, that BBC trike, done that way? Uh, with the three, I haven't seen that machine. I know there are several hybrids out there with that same motor in them, too. Uh, guys have sent us photos of them all the time. You know, they're all, they'll have a Honda chassis 
with that KTM 300 two-stroke. You ready to go back two-stroke racing? Yep. I have one I need to finish. I got an L2500 I'm working on that I can't seem to find time to put finish, but yeah. Yeah, but that takes a lot of leg to kick. It's just sitting right here behind me. It's, yeah, but it takes a lot of leg. Uh, I think Panther has a uh, electric storage phone now. Really? Yeah. A, wow. That'd be cool. <laughs> At least for that bike. Yeah, because it takes some of that strain off your leg when you when you kick over. It, it would probably generate a, a, a little bit of movement. I mean, the LT500 stuff already sells faster than you can manufacture. So, I, I wish somebody would make a uh, top-end, I don't know how hard it'd be, but a top-end conversion kit for a YFCR with a 500 two-stroke. To adapt a two-stroke? Yeah. I don't know if you could or not. I mean, but that'd be cool. I don't think you can. Yeah. You know, I don't think. But why couldn't you just put a 500 two-stroke in one of those chassis? Yeah, the pro- or, yeah or the problem is, like, you know, it is LTR. You can't. LTR 500, trying to find all the parts for them is hard. Gears and stators and whatnot, you know? Yeah. So if you got but that tranny so good in that Yamaha, you could somehow make that or use those tranny parts and make a 500 with those tranny parts or something. That'd be cool. I could just drop a banshee in there. Your, band, your guys' banshee ran good, but man, those things were just on or off, it seemed like. The old ones I ever rode. Well, it all depends on how you build them to yeah. accelerate or, or not. You know, I mean, if you want a light switch, you build a light switch. And it's a, the, the motor left to being that. So you have to work pretty hard to get it to roll on out of the hole uh, and, and make it a fun. You know, Doug, Doug doesn't know how good he had it with that. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a great bike. Oh yeah, he was he's bummed every time he every time he sees the photos he's bummed because he was just had it back. Yeah. I was just talking to um shoot, who was it the other day? Oh uh, I, I was talking to the other day. Oh uh, Pat Brown. So I was on, on a vacation him a couple weeks ago. Um we were talking about the bikes we wish we'd had but it was you know, we had to sell a bike to get a bike, so a lot of bikes now you wish you would have kept, but at the time you're like, I gotta sell that thing to buy the next one. Well, yeah, and we were always we were always upselling our new machines so that we were always making something better, faster, stronger. It, you know, there was no there was no ability to to keep some of them. I know Lauren of the machines that we had, but he kept nothing. He only kept the recreational ones. Uh, I mean, we don't we didn't save not one of the Lobos. You know. Not one of the old dock frame 250R. None of that stuff. They all left. I mean, that, going back to that Yamaha, I wish someone would make a two stroke to put in that Yamaha chassis. It's a great chassis. The bottom end's great. If someone could figure that out and throw it in there, it'd be, it'd be awesome. I wish someone would make a two stroke again. <laughs> well, the only yeah, yeah. people that make a Yamaha has a 250 two stroke dirt bike. You know, you would think that they could use that technology, you know, obviously counterbalance it, but possibly squeeze something new into that YFC frame and give you an option. I'm sure they could. I mean, I know that with Walsh's abilities, he could drop a two-stroke in there in a heartbeat. It'd be nice not to have to buy a frame, just use a stock frame. That's up so good. Yeah, that Yamaha frame is something. Oh, you really have to like that Yamaha. It's a pretty good platform. Yeah. That's what I got. This one torn apart. I'm rebuilding it, but it's, I've ridden it not a ton, but I've ridden it for the last five years and basically not hardly turned the wrench on it from being stock. You know, I mean, it's like, all right, it's time. <laughs> Had enough hours on it. I was like, okay, it's time for a full rebuild. But yeah, it's a great bike, great platform. Well, the frame's still good. Yeah. In the old days, you could take the frame by now. Yeah. You know, something go wrong with it. The small, but it's all fixable, and you can keep going. And, and some of those f- frames, and some of those machines, like some of the bikes I've seen works were, you know, four and five, six years old, and they would go out there and just get pounded, and they would come back next 
here, fresh, ready to go, you know, with no problems, ready to go. Just, right. just testament to how good at the job Yamaha really did. Yeah, I'd be on my third TRX frame right now. Well, you were a little hard on things, Corey. I actually <laughs> wasn't. I wasn't a hard guy. That's what you say. That's uh, not what That's not the, what the rest of us know. Only, only on clutches for a few years, but Henson taught me out of that. But, but that's about it. <laughs> so, how are we going to do, guys? Are we going to make each one do and, and make it into twenty three flying? Okay. Come on, somebody's got to talk to me. I, I just, like I said, I have no idea what's going to happen. I, I don't think there's going to. I don't think we're going to. Just have the market fall apart or anything like that, but I, uh, like I said, I'm not as optimistic as I used to be. I, you know, with all the different problems that are being in, especially supply chain issues, again, it's just hard to to get a good read on what's going on right now. Do you, do you get to talk to many of the ATV companies back east? ATV companies? You mean like um, aftermarket? Aftermarket? Uh, a few. A few, and they're busy. They are busy building parts or sport machines, you know, that were last made in 2014. <laughs> nice, nice. Corey, how about you? Are you dealing with any aftermarket guys back east, and, and, and they're doing good, strong, busy? Um, I, like, I think they're, you know, Dealing with a little bit of supply issues, getting materials to build stuff, um, slowing down a little bit. But I think everybody seems like they're getting more caught up as we go along. So I don't know if that's because of sales or for slowing down or not. But um, it seems like parts are still back ordered. You're still waiting for stuff, but not as bad as you were. Um, so I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's. I, I wish it wouldn't slow down, but on the other hand, you know, with inflation, um, house prices going up, food prices going up, um, just you got to spend your money somewhere, and, there, and most people only have so much of it to go around. So, what, what goes first is, you know, toys and vacations and things like that. You know, going out riding or recreational, you might not go every weekend, you might go every other weekend. So, you, know, you might not need that two or three sets of tires a year. You might go through, you might only need one. So, um, you know, I hate to be a downer, but it it's not looking good, but I don't think it's going to, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be the worst thing ever, but, um, it's not going to be what it was two years ago for sure or even last year. Have you heard anything from the GNCC guys about the turnouts being left because of the gas pipe? Um, not yet. I haven't heard that. I know a couple of complain about gas prices, and they're really watching where they're fueling at to get to the races. Um, but GNCC is kind of its own animal. It's you know it's a top tier um, event that people base their life around. I would say so. You might skip a weekend at the local races to make sure you go to the next GNCC. You know, so I don't see their numbers dropping off too significant if they even do at all. I know their youth. Classes are up quite a bit. Um, as far as their numbers, I don't see them dropping off a bunch. Um, you know, it's it's such a draw. People will do something less somewhere else to go to a JCC. Yeah, I'll add to that. Uh, Ken Hill, who does a lot of our GNCC race coverage, he said the numbers are up substantially on the ATV side. I've, I've heard that works is coming down a little bit on the West Coast. Yeah, I I hadn't uh, got a positive read on it yet. I've been reaching out and asking some questions, but I hadn't given a hundred percent that run rate. Vegas was big because it, everybody was there, so it may have looked bigger. Looked good. Uh, we'll see this weekend how it turns out uh, in Cedar. I mean, if if the numbers are up, then you know, they're holding strong. This is the round where the numbers would be done because they, it is a travel for most people. Yeah, and I've heard that from a few racers that attend their events all the time that they are going to skip that one because of fuel prices right now. Yeah, I know. And by the way, I'm out here in California. I don't know how you guys do it with these prices. You know, your diesel is like six and a half 
a gallon right now. That's crazy. Yeah, we're about five and a half here in Utah. Yeah, that's what we are in Phoenix too. Yeah, I've I've heard a few of the side by side guys for works um, that are kind of think they're going to phase over to I think it's it was the Outlaw West series. It's starting up. They were they were a central um, series. I think out of Texas, maybe uh, Miller's had something to do with. But they're going to start having some races out here. So I heard some side by side guys will start going to that. So might see the side by side market on the work races go down a little bit um, until they kind of see what that event's about. Do you think Polaris really their sponsorship hurt the works? Yeah, of course it did. No, it, it totally did. I, there's two or three people that I know that, that basically quit racing or went to a different series or um, switched manufacturers because of that. When they switched manufacturers, did that mean they were they were done with works or they just went to a different series? Um, no, manufacturers like they instead of driving a Polaris, they're driving Can Ams now because Can Am still supports it. Yep. At least more than Polaris is. I bet Polaris is, you know, seems like every year or two they kind of reshuffle everything around, change everything up. Um, so, I mean, you never know. They could come back next year with some more stuff, or more sponsorship, or maybe they're just done with works, you know, as far as sponsorship or as much as they were. Is is there any other beasts that are as good as the Polaris or the Can Am? Any other one? Any other, other UTVs that are as good as the Polaris or the Can Am? Um, you know, I think for what, for, it depends on the series, you know, if you're talking about the short course series, I, I think the Yamaha is a better car. You know, it shifts, it's lower to the ground, just has some features, I think, that make it a better, make it a better platform. Um, your desert racing, you know, the Can-Am Polaris are better. So it's, I think it depends on where you're, where you're racing at and what you're doing. Robbie Gordon's car is not very good. Uh, I've seen Is it out yet. <laughs> I've seen one. I was at Temecula Motorsports two years ago, and they had one there, but it was it was a car there must be taken from shop to shop that's been used because it looked it looked pretty pretty used. So I had some time on it. It wasn't off the production line car, so I think let people check it out. But I keep hearing they're close. You see in pictures that they have a bunch of them lined up and they're finishing them up first run, but. So. Oh, so they haven't even released them basically yet? Not that I've seen, but I could be wrong. But not from what I've seen. And I just keep seeing people selling their spots to someone else. So, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's got to make it rough. They're probably running into supply chain problems. Just yeah, I mean, they're, you know, I don't think, you know, Arctic Cat, I think what they get some of the parts from has never been a big... Uh, Supplier, I think, of keeping up on parts. They've always kind of struggled even before this. So that might have a little bit to do with it. And then Robbie, I think, is manufacturing quite a bit of stuff too. So he's probably trying to get that stuff built as well. He's a smart dude. I mean, I figured he'd have it laid out a little bit better before uh, before it got to this point. Yeah, but I mean, he, when he started though, too, you got to look at as soon as it started, you know, as soon as he started trying to get everything wrapped everything up, COVID started. Everybody stopped, and then everything else, and everything took off. So now it's kind of behind the eight ball. So I mean, he, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't think it was going to be the smoothest deal, but I don't think he had anything in his favor to help him out as far as production wise. Probably not. Probably, not. you know, uh, that's that's kind of a bummer because I think that world needs uh, something to offset Polaris and Can Am. You know, the Kawasaki uh, car. I don't know much about it, but I know I he, he likes it. Uh, it's Jimmy White. They have a pretty good setup. Yeah, but those guys, if you cut them, they bleed green. So that's true. I've got to take out the green salt. <laughs> um, but the the Cali, Cali, the Cali for rock and stuff, it works really good. You know, um, I know Reed's had some success out at out at Best of Desert um, with it. You know, in the NA class and stuff. So you know, and the Honda guys have had some success in the NA class as well. So. You know, there there are other platforms um, that has a can and Polaris that, that are competitive if you, if you put enough effort behind it. It's in the, in the proper class for it. You know, they, they can succeed. That, and, you know, that's what you need diversity to, to make it happen. You know, that's something that the ATV 
pretty modest diversity. I, I know that back in the stuff, the K&M 4x, in the 4x4 class, that thing's the killing it. Yeah. Got one guy riding a Polaris. Every time I do a results list, it's K&M top to bottom on the pros. It seems like that's the Renegade is what they're all racing. Right. Well, it's like a Yamaha in the, in the, in the XC1 class. There's one guy on yeah, the that exactly. never lost. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Adam McGill on his Honda. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't, uh, um, name still ride a Honda? Uh, I don't think of his name. Uh, is it Bryson? Is he on a Honda? No. He's leading the point right now. I can't remember. No, Bryson's on Yamaha. Yeah, Bryson. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's you know if you if you if you get off topic here for a minute, what do you think? That guy comes back from a broken leg and he's just a beast. Yeah, it's, it's this year is exciting for sure because of him. Yeah, he he picked up right where he left off for sure. You know, I mean that was an unfortunate incident. And, in that car during the race, but <laughs> yeah, you know, but um, but he's bounced back. You know, he's right there, just like, like he was when that before that happened. So it's gonna, okay. be, it's gonna be interesting if Walker can answer back. You know, I mean, Walker's right there. He just seems like he's just off, you know, off a little bit from from having Bryson's number again. But maybe Bryson has his number now for the next six years. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, there's no there's no single year champions in the, the GNCC stuff. I mean, you got to be a multi time champion uh, once you win. Bryson may be the guy for the next few years. I don't think Walker's going to give up that. No, Walker Walker's not a quitter, and he's he's going to keep looking for stuff to you know go out there and find a, to to be on top of the box. But you know, and Bryson is just familiar. No doubt about that he's just got a ton of speed, but I mean Walker's right there. I mean it's not like Bryson's running away with it. Walker's running on his tail every time. Yeah, it's only a six point difference right now, so it could it's up and for grabs for either one of those guys still. Yeah, yeah they're halfway yet, huh? Right. They're, they're, uh, I think they're around six. Yeah, they got a couple more before the break. Yeah, that's just that, that's yeah. Good series to watch. I think the motocross series is a good series to watch as well. I mean, you know, with Weenan just winning the last race, I know that it was a mud fest. That was kind of a fluke. What that happened? I don't know if all of that at all. What about Nick DeNoble? Winning photo. <laughs> that is crazy. On a Honda. On a Honda. Well, I, I picked Nick on my fantasy thing for uh, for Cody's, you know, big deep fantasy thing. I picked Nick. I was just like, I'm just going to. Throw a wild card out there and see what happens and he won the moto. Pat and I were Pat and I were just dying laughing about it, just like, no way. I mean, like, how do you win that? And then we started looking at lap times there, like three, four, five minute laps, you know, and we're like, oh geez, it had to be so bad for that. You know, and seeing how many people actually finished and those guys pushing the bikes across the finish line. I mean I, I don't I've been to some money nationals, um, but I don't remember anything where that many people didn't finish. And made laps that long, you know. I mean, I don't. That's that's crazy. Chad said that when he rounded the first, he was in trouble. <laughs> it looked like all those guys had moto tires on still too. I'm not surprised. Um, they it rained, then it stopped. He said they loaded the, the, the machine in the gate and. It, Started the downpour, and they had already the moto tires on there, and they were partially protected. Not, uh, they didn't protect like they were going to. Yeah, it, it didn't look like it was swampy. It just looked like it was wet, like just deep ruts full of water. You know, and that's you know, it didn't have time to soak in. If I can get like it was deep mud, so it said it was a swimming pool everywhere you went. Yeah, I mean, the bigger tires would have helped right the water a little bit, but yeah, it was it was crazy looking from the photos I saw. That's for sure. Yeah, he, uh, Chad rolled up to the the finish line jump, oh, uh, and his bike shut up, 
and he's sitting there trying to get it started again. And Joel rolls up next to him and stops. <laughs> you know, so they were both sitting there, lap one, dead in the water. Uh, his bike refired, but Joel's uh, didn't fire for four more laps later. Uh, yeah, so he was down. Um, and the fact that he got a fifth out of miracle because it was just so bad. Yeah. With, with two, he said, there's two laps to go. They give you the two laps to go. And it was six minutes before I finished and crossed the, the, the finish line. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I've been Muddy Creek when it's been bad, but not nothing like that. Those guys, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, they got, what, two, three mutters now this year? It's looked like one years. Yeah, that's and that's that's bad. I mean, it is one of those years that they're gonna they're just gonna have to deal with with the, the water because uh, I, I don't think it's over. They're probably gonna have a couple more. Yeah, it seems like when you have the years like that, it just it just happens that like that. I mean, it, it was dry going in the day, and then it rains right before their their moto, and then the next day the tracks all dried out again. You know, it's just it's one of those years that, that you can't you can't win. Well, Chad was also telling me that Joel was thinking he should have stopped it because there was lightning strikes not that far away. Uh, you know, I mean, I know that's a big concern, but it didn't. Uh, I didn't hear about that until until I spoke to Chad. So I don't know what the referee was thinking, or even if he did uh, a problem. You'd have to you'd have to have been back there to see it. But, uh, some good things are going on, you know. I mean, is anybody going to beat Bo on the west side, on the west coast? I don't think so, unless he has an issue. I mean, the way, watching Bo ride, it's it's unreal. He's just he's in different gear. He's going faster than everybody. He's just smoother than everybody. He just he has everybody's number, and it looks like he's not even trying. <laughs> faster. I think he has more speed than what he's showing. Honestly, I think he's right at ninety percent. That's it. Yeah, he just—he's on a Sunday cruise, man, and everybody else is trying super hard, and he's just out there having fun. Yeah, but I'll see going into this next this next race. I don't know if they're going to change the track from last year. It was really a lot of turns. A lot of turns. It was just in and out of trees, a lot of turns, other than the motocross sections, which were just kind of straight and fast. This the couple of sections they had. Um Cedar. So I mean, you never know. I mean, there might be someone that pops up in that race that could run them for a little bit. It'd be it'd be nice to see. You know, I know I know Damon's doing really well. Um and then you've got uh Jacob Stevens who just got on the podium for the first time. Yeah, Jacob was out there in front of him for a little bit in that last race, wasn't he? In Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, He's getting better and better. Yeah, Vegas, Vegas, nothing, not taking anything away from Jacob. Jacob's fast. He could definitely probably run a bow if everything hits right and, you know, he doesn't have any issues. But Vegas is such an oddball event compared to the rest of the victories. You run in the parking lot and you leave on the stadium and it's so short and it's, it's, Technical, but it's really, it's not like a arena crossing. It's kind of more of an enduro cross technical, I guess. Um, so it's, it's totally different. You know, it's, that's a standalone event. For, for as far as when I look at the schedule, it sees that's a standalone event for, for track conditions. And I, I saw, go ahead. I was going to say, I saw an interview with Bo too, I guess. He was following him, and I, I don't think he wanted to turn it on as soon as he did, but he got down to his last tear-off, so he said he had to do something right away. <laughs> and then once he did, he was gone. So, yeah, he's amazing. I, I, I look up to the guy. I mean, well into his 40s and teaching kids half his age, you know, how it's done. That's that's my hero right there. Yeah, I think, I think like, you know, I think Jacob's – probably Jake, Jacob Stevens probably, to me, would be um, – uh, be closer to Bo, like a, at a Glen Hill, it's more of a motocross track or um, someone that has more motocross track set up on it, just because with him being a more of a moto guy. Bo's a moto guy, but Bo um, 
as far as like when Bill went to G- to the Nationals, he was good, but he he never kind of. I think he was riding tenth place or so. Um, but just on the motor side, just bows more more of an off road guy. So I think J- that's where Jacob could probably 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 have a chance at beating Bo or beat him as somewhere that has a little bit more motocross. Maybe you know that best shot. Your next best guy to him is Damon. Yeah, it's a young beast that's that's that gets coming. You know, he's he's just not shutting off and and riding as hard as he can. Yeah, Damon. Damon reminds me a lot of Bo. You know, I think I think you know I don't know how long Bo's to keep racing, but if Damon stays at it, I think I think Damon could help us replace Bo down the road and you know, with all of his off-road experience and bikes desert and stuff for so long that you know it's just he's still getting used to riding the quad you know and he's fast and he knows how to go fast it's just I think he's just needs a little bit more time on the quad to get out and into he's, he's this but I think he's got a little bit more speed just a little bit more exactly the, the more time that he spends on it the more acclimated he'll get and then the, he'll be and one of the best things about him, he's got such a great attitude when he's riding the machine. He just loves to ride. Yeah. You know, and that's Bo's deal. He just loves to ride. And uh, when you get somebody that, you know, they're just happy to be there on a ride, uh, that's hard to beat. I think Logan Huff is uh, going to race this weekend, too. His first race back. That's awesome. That's awesome. I think that's what he's done. So once he shows up and rides, and how it feels. Because he's definitely... Um, made sure he's done everything he's needed to do to make sure his shoulders stop, but he's also not going to go out there and do something to injure himself in January. It's been just about a year since he himself. And he's young. You know, I mean, you can't take anything away from Logan. He's he's hot and cold fast, but he still he can still move. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Logan, Logan seems like he does really well in the rough, the rough stuff. That's Rough out, big, big rolled ropes and sand ropes and stuff like that. That's where Logan sits. Right. Yamaha 100 wants to know if you're going to go to Cedar Court. Um, I'm not going to be riding because that's, it looks like that, but <laughs> I'll probably not show up for a day or two. I think. It's close I, enough. It's there have been a lot of rumors at the past works rounds this year that Corey was going to show up to race on ATV. I did. I showed up and raced uh, Glen Helen. I rode Open A. And did you? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know you were there. I was out there photographing and didn't even see it. Yeah, I rode Open A. I won, I won, I won that class. Won Open A, won, and we were running in production as well. So, Very cool. So there's no way I was coming back to ride program the next day and ride for an hour and a half. <laughs> Why? I have stock tank for one, and two, I was done. <laughs> Hey, you, you feel riding good and you're having fun? Yeah, that's that's why uh, that's why I'm doing it. So I, I, I enjoy riding a lot. So yeah, I, actually, I I I got I got the white flag and nobody else in my class got white flag. I barely passed and through the checkered, and then on my last lap, I thought I was still trying to catch the production A guys. I didn't know I passed them all, and I uh, landed on a rock and bent a sprocket through a chain and. That's the start of this whole teardown of this thing. It's just it's like, oh, it's time. Needs bearings and just everything. So it's just full service. Pretty good. But that's good. You got to do that once in a while. Yeah. Hey, yes, you need to get us a couple four wheel drive units and uh, we can run in the four wheel drive class out of folks. You know? I, I plan on doing that. And, uh, to, you know, to test these machines, I wanted to do it with the Polaris, and I, the Scrambler, but I had to take it back Friday before I went on vacation. But uh, that would be a great machine for it. And, yeah, I'll see if I can get something from Can-Am. A Renegade. But, You're going to have to give me some time. I'm going in for shoulder surgery here in the, sometime in the next month or so. So I'm, I this year isn't going to happen. And all that talk I gave you about coming back and let's, let's go racing again, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> so well, it was all talk. <laughs> I, I sold my bike. I sold mine, too, to David Ham. Well, I didn't even get mine's not even done yet, and uh, I was just hanging a few pieces on it, and, and I was talking to a guy on the phone, and he goes, "You know, I want it more than you do." 
So <laughs> I finish it and send it to him. So uh, yeah, I won't be riding a four time soon. So now you're gonna build a Yamaha. No, I am not. I uh, it, actually I could. I I have started to collect some pieces. Um, if I was a yeah, Yamaha Grizzly, <laughs> I'm sorry. I need you to come back. That's the thing to do is come out to a works race on a banshee. There's a couple of guys out there on banshees, and they are—they actually look like they're having a great time too. Well, you know, I mean, because our—I think our platform works so good in that environment. You know, it would be—it would be a lot of fun for somebody. I don't know if I'm the guy that's going to have a good time doing it, but yeah. try it out. No, it's been a while. It's been a long while. Gentlemen, I want to thank you guys so much for uh, recapping the industry with me and, and joining me on this live. Um, maybe we could do it again later on in the year. Uh, it's excellent catching up. I think industry is going to survive. I think we're going to be okay. We just, as a, as a collective group, need to keep fighting forward and, and uh, keep supporting the people that take care of you, uh, You know, whether it be at the racetrack, whether it be at your local parts supply house, you know, just keep taking care of everybody and, and keep fighting, keep fighting the fight and keep riding. You know, that's what we got to do. I agree. All right, guys, I'm going to let you guys go. Thank you very much for joining me on this live um, bench prep conversations with ATV talk. Thank you. Talk. Thanks guys. All right. No Thanks for having me. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org, or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.